So welcome back to another Syllabus Journal special here. This is Ely Journalism, Women Leading America's Intelligentsia. And we have a fascinating journalist here, Laura Logan. I hope you uh, enjoy this interview. So we have this fascinating intellectual here, Laura Logan, and you can see her work all over the place. And I think that she's just an interesting person and very courageous to come out and put some of these subject matters, some of these topics that are just being completely ignored by the corporatized fascistic news media. It's working in lock, lockstep with this globalist plan to just kind of bring down America. So they will not report on anything that's substantive or important or the, the things that really should be the headlines. It's more than burying the headlines. They're just completely blanking out and blacking out all real interesting news issues, just like the Homeland Security under their immigration departments, whatever they're called now, ICE or what have you. But they, of course, they had some of the buses that they were using to transport migrants around the country were being taken over and hijacked by Haitians. Like apparently, this happened several times. Of course, you're never going to hear about that. But whenever the, uh, the guys who are on the horses, you know, trying to keep their horses under control, and trying to move people around in this human crisis. And of course, then we say that those law enforcement officers were whipping whipping the poor people with their reins. But of course, that was a lie. You can see that that's how the energy, the entire energy of this whole Marxian movement, this whole cabal, this conspiracy in Washington, D.C., that's really the Obamaites, the Obama sycophants, his worshipers. So like Merrick Garland and all of them, they're going to come out and point out that Oh, the poor migrants were being whipped by the, the men. Of course, if you go back and check, they didn't whip any of those migrants with the reins. They just were simply trying to steer their horses. So, of course, the real news, the real headline is that migrants, ungrateful, criminal, wicked migrants, invaders, who shouldn't be in the first place, who shouldn't be on our buses, because we have plenty of people around here who could use those services, Americans, who could use those that that large ass and those services that are being provided by Homeland Security? We could use that stuff around here, but of course they're just going to spend a detrimental, a, a catastrophic amount of money on moving these illegal immigrants around the country to make sure they're fully dispersed. And when huge issues come up, like the, the high rate of drunk driving deaths, apparently these illegal immigrants are just running around the country drunk, just running people over. And the, the figures are, are skyrocketing in that regard. So we have these kind of serious issues. We have migrants taking, uh, hijacking the buses that are being provided for them by the federal government, and uh, no one finds out about it. So these are the kind of issues that we're looking for courageous journalists. We're looking for people who will tell us the truth about what's going on so we can be informed. So to that, that extent, Laura Logan here, we're going to just listen to some of her interviews, just listen to some of her her content and her copy and just see how how she uh, is working hard to inform us about things that are coming up. So here, this is an interesting cut here, an article that we have to put forward. Of course, we'll add the links so you can check out uh, further work by these guys. And of course, this just follows on some of the other podcast episodes we did with, with Laura Logan talking about the North American Union and some of the, the larger scale regional uh, super national governments 
the bodies that they're putting together in anticipation of the collapse of American democracy and American hegemony. They've kind of already prepared to subsume us into this larger globalist governing structure. So that's, we're going to learn more about that as we go forward to, of course, because uh, Laura Logan is one of the uh, only people in the world that we can find that will even discuss it. So yeah, this is going to be Real America's Voice, and we're just going to hear some of Laura Logan's often controversial ideas, which are very accurate. So we're going to see that she is discussing things that other people are terrified to discuss. They have gatekeepers that control what they're allowed to say, and so it's not real journalism. So when we have someone who's unchained, like Laura Logan here, to speak the truth, then we can hear something that's more factual and something that's more more interesting. So we'll go back and just hear her take on the buildup to to war and you, with Ukraine and Russia, and hear how uh, her perspective, which is very intuitive about the culture of corporate brainwash and information control, disinformation and misinformation, is the provenance of corporate fascistic news fiction that's uh, made available to us here in America. The Daily Mail has a very interesting story that's saying uh, that Vladimir Putin essentially may be running out of bullets, that he might have a week and a half, two weeks max. He's losing warplanes, tanks, all the rest of it. He obviously went into this thinking he was going to bulldoze his way through Ukraine. He's obviously caused a lot of destruction. Don't want to minimize the fact there's over two million refugees. But this has not gone as well as Vladimir Putin expected. I don't buy it for a second, Ed, I'll be honest with you. I really think that um, there's so much misinformation. We've never really seen anything like it. I mean, I've been covering wars now for 35 years, and I have never seen people with their nails done in the Ukrainian flag, right? I mean, we're being corralled into this box where we either have to hate Vladimir Putin and believe everything evil that's said about him and love Ukraine, and there's no in-between. And that reminds me a lot of you're either, you know, um, a white supremacist or you go with the Democrat narrative on everything under the sun. So um, Vladimir Putin knew exactly what he was doing when he went into Ukraine. The Russian military isn't perfect. They, for example, I've spoken to multiple defense specialists and intelligence specialists from a defense intelligence agency who studied the Russian military for years. They do have a difficulty mounting complex air operations because they do very little um, training hours in comparison to, for example, the United States um, air assets, right, our fighter jet pilots. But Russia um, is not struggling. Uh, what Russia has done from the very beginning has been very strategic. They didn't go straight to Kiev. They went to all those uh, bioweapons laboratories that are scattered all over the country. Some of them they built, so they know where they are. They've known where they are since the Soviet Union, because under the Defense Threat Reduction Program, um, we went in after the fall of the Soviet Union and supposedly turned those facilities in from bioweapons labs into public health labs. Although, um, you know, these days it's hard to believe anything that our leaders tell us because they've lied about COVID, they lied about Russia collusion, they lied about the Ukraine impeachment trial. And there's so much more going on in Ukraine that nobody is talking about. You see such dishonesty when it comes to the history of Ukraine. You see dishonesty when it comes to the Azov Battalion, which is funded by the U.S. and NATO. I mean, you can find pictures of them online holding up the NATO flag and the swastika at the same time. Their own emblem mm -hmm. contains the black sun of the occult, which was a Nazi SS emblem. And it also contains the sideways, you know, uh, lightning insignia of the SS. I mean, this is on 
throughout the Ukrainian military, you can see that black sign of the occult on their um, body armor. Even on the female soldiers who are paraded in front of the world as being, you know, such an example of Ukraine's um, independence and spirit and nobility. Even they are wearing the black sign of the occult. And, you know, we want the White House wants you to believe, well, this doesn't matter. It's just a small number of troops. It's not true. The Azov Battalion has been murdering its way through eastern Ukraine. Yeah. We don't want to admit this. This was why Crimea voted for independence. This is why Crimea wanted to be with Russia. Because sure. we in the media, in the Western media and in the West, won't acknowledge the reality of what's gone on. Western Ukraine backed the Nazis. It was a headquarters for the Nazi SS. The CIA under Alan Dulles yeah. actually gave immunity from prosecution to the Nazis of Ukraine from the Nuremberg trials. So um, there's a long history of the United States and our intelligence agencies funding and arming Nazis in Ukraine. These are not like new neo-Nazi groups that sprung up. These are the actual Nazis from the Second World War, who, if you go back to the Nuremberg trials, said that they were planning for a thousand-year run. And so you have to really wonder, as you look at this, when you know that the CIA sponsored the color revolution in Ukraine in 2013 and 14, that they selected Ukraine's leaders, go to the um, go to Victoria Newland's leaked phone conversation, where she and the U.S. ambassador are deciding who can lead Ukraine. I mean, there's as much right. interference here as you could possibly imagine before right. you and even Laura. get to Hunter Biden, Nancy Pelosi, John Kerry, mm -hmm. and Mitt Romney, and all of their children who are employed, who earn millions from Ukrainian you are gas pointing, companies. Yeah, you are pointing, pardon me, to a real credibility crisis for our leaders. I don't know, let Karen Turk jump yeah, in. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring up the fact that President Zelensky is Jewish, and I don't know exactly how this factors in, but there's some very interesting points in what you're saying. And looking at this, you know, you could think it's political theatrics. You, you know, made a very good point at the beginning that you think that Putin is con in control. And I actually want to place something that Jen Psaki said, because it seems that the White House is actually echoing that sentiment. Watch this. Well, the end game is really a question for President Putin. We have we have completely crushed his economy. Uh, we have provided military assistance, humanitarian assistance to the Ukrainians, enabling them to fight back for far longer uh, than the Russian leadership uh, anticipated. Uh, and again, he has to uh, he has to determine what the path forward looks for like for him. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> He's determining what this looks like, and I think that's a lot of what you said, Laura. I'd love to get your thoughts on that, what you just watched. What troubles me about the moment that we're in is that we have such a selective and a narrow reading of history. You know, President Zelensky may be Jewish, but he's not the only one in this who suffered during the Second World War, whose ancestors suffered, right? I mean, look at Putin. How many relatives did he lose in the siege of St. Petersburg? People don't know their history. They don't know what made Vladimir Putin. And I'm not a defend, you know, I'm not defending him. I don't need to defend Vladimir Putin. Putin. My job as a journalist is to try to understand what is the truth here. I don't like being lied to. And we're being lied to on an epic scale. When we're told your only choices, you have to be 100% with Zelensky, who's a puppet, who you can find on the internet in black stilettos and leather pants, you know, with shirtless, doing a spoof, dancing with the stars kind of entertainment video. That's a mock of a Ukrainian group that does this kind of satanic, occult type of uh, music video. And I mean, Zelensky was selected. 
like so many of our leaders. And honestly, with, with big tech and with election fraud these days, we don't know how many leaders all around the world have been yeah. selected for us and weren't actually voted in. But what we do know is that there are increasing problems with technology and the digitization of our world. Because look at what's happening with COVID. Look at what has happened globally. We are fighting the same battles all over the world. To pretend that this war is about Russia and Ukraine is a just a barefaced lie. Yeah. If Putin has been warning for 15 years that he is not going to stand by while the globalists take over the world, build bioweapons facilities and whatever else they're doing in Ukraine, Ukrainian yeah. oligarchs. Ukraine has been a center of money laundering for you know many of the leaders in this country for how long? Billions of U.S. dollars have been laundered through Ukraine, and we say nothing about it. These are our tax dollars. I mean, before the impeachment trial, had you ever heard of anyone in the United States, I mean, us bringing in foreign governments to the White House for anti-corruption right. training? I mean, does nobody question these things? Why do we not question them? We have an well, idiot uh, like Lieutenant Colonel Vindman who goes at the impeachment trial and sits there as a lieutenant colonel. He didn't even make colonel. And he's telling the president of the United States what his policy should be. You have a traitor in the form of Maria Yovanovitch, who was Obama's ambassador, who's telling Ukrainian government officials, don't listen to the will of the American people. Don't listen to well, the election results. We are the true leaders of America. I mean, and then people object when the woman isn't even fired. She's given a cushy job for life at Georgetown University at the expense of the U.S. taxpayer. And we're told that the president of the United States cannot say to his foreign counterparts, you know, that we want you to look into something. But Joe Biden can it. withhold as much aid as he wants to. I mean, right. there's so much hypocrisy and dishonesty here. And Ukraine is well, at the center of it all. Go back to Russia collusion. Go to Alexander Chalupa. Go to Eric Caramella. The, the whistleblower who went to work for Adam Schiff, who wasn't really a whistleblower, and all those corrupt people in the deep state. And you know what? The deep state isn't a theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual deep state. Look up the SES, the Senior Executive Service, because when that bureaucracy was ushered into law in the United States right. of America, that's when we got a bunch of unelected bureaucrats well, pulling the strings behind the scenes. And these are the people that keep lying to us. Absolutely. And pardon me, I, we've got a, a live chat where we're streaming on Getter, for example, and I'm watching it as you're talking. People are talking about how you're dropping truth bombs and you're a real journalist. And I know that having worked alongside you for many, many years when you're at CBS and many other places. And maybe they didn't want to hear the truth, but you're dropping those truth bombs now. Unfortunately, we've got to hit a break right now. So there you have the evidence and the critical inertia of why Laura Logan is so important on the journalistic stage here in the landscape of history because she is pointing out the shocking truth when everyone else is clutching their pearls and wringing their hands for fear. And this was at a time when, of course, people were being canceled if they didn't have a Ukrainian flag up and their and their uh, social media accounts and so on and so forth. And, and like we said before, we have friends and, and, and Christian brothers and people who, who are in our church who are from Ukraine, and we have people who are in our church who are from Russia. So, you know, we have connections with international ministries all over the world, and we have brothers and sisters of faith in both these countries who are being annihilated by these policies. Of course, you can see that the historical Ukrainian church, the historical Orthodox church in that region is being absolutely decimated. And you can see that this would be a furtherance of Rome's policy. This would be a furtherance of 
Bergoglio, their Pope Francis, uh, his policy as a Jesuit would be a counter-Reformation policy, a Council of Trent policy against which all heretics are anathematized and destroyed by war. So you can see that in Russia, or in this conflict with Russia and Ukraine, you can see that that policy is being furthered. And it's simply the, the policy of the World Economic Forum takes us back to the Holy Alliance. It takes us back to the Congress of Vienna. The World Economic Forum is just a modern iteration of that, and you need to recognize that. You need to recognize that these are just large-scale, massive, industrial-scale, central bank, geopolitical-scale policies that are meant to curb population growth and to take away the power of the middle class and of popular government and of the voting energy of large-scale populations around the world who have democratic institutions, those are all going to be wiped away. So you can see that Laura Logan's urgency on these matters is right on point. And if she would have had more time to talk, she would have told us about how Zelensky is associated with the World Economic Forum, and so is Putin. And it's something we've talked about in this episode before. You can see that this entire war is orchestrated. So when you jump up with your little pom-poms on you and you get on the, the war bandwagon and you, you go hooray for Ukraine or Ukraine, hooray for Russia, and you cheer this on, you're the one who's the warmonger and you're the pig and you're the one who needs to be shut down and be quiet because this is all orchestrated and this is not a natural or organic turn of events, but something that's being utilized to create the destabilization that pushes us up against NATO and the whole situation, yeah, you have Henry Kissinger coming out and saying, oh, I believe that, uh, that Ukraine should be in NATO. So, you know, they're, they're encouraging this process of getting us over into World War III. A whole bunch of people are going to die. And most of these people who are going to die are going to be light-complected people with light complexion, people with less melanin, people who are from northern Caucasus region in their ancestry. So they're going to be, this is going to be a destruction of the pale of settlement. This is going to be a total destruction of, just like we saw under Stalin, of the Ukrainian people once more. So this is just a furtherance of the, the inquisitional policies of the medieval period. And you can see Rome's fingerprints all over this, just like you can see the hand of the Jesuits all over the World Economic Forum. And there are these institutions that are moving us towards a global government. And you can see that, uh, that this is just the forum, and this, these are just the different tools by which they're using to get us there, whether it's the World Trade Organization, whether it's the United Nations Organization. And they always have these cool three-letter anagrams, right? These three little three-letter alphabet soup type agencies, the FBI, the CIA, the IRS, and of course the IHS. And the IHS is the Society of Jesus over there at Georgetown. We must not forget Fordham University, I mean, the, uh, the Loyola Chicago University. These power players, these this elite agency that is the militia of Rome has uh, conquered the United States of America. They've done it subtly, they've done it in a way that you can't detect and you can't recognize. So we're looking at this mass full-scale influx of foreign invaders coming over the border, unchecked. And of course, you have all these university of uh, Georgetown University graduates behind it all. And then, you have, of course, you have the, the other right-wing side of it on the war room, and you have a bunch of Georgetown graduates over there telling us all about it and keeping us informed as the invasion takes place and making sure that they can get as much demagoguery and as much anger and much incendiary vitriol about these corrupt events as possible. So on one side, you have these Jesuit puppets like Biden, who's supposedly a Catholic. And then on the other side, you have the war room, who's a bunch of Catholics, and they're taking 
Joe Biden apart, and they're finding the documents, and they're you know they're basically destroying this man and setting up the next pawn that will be set into place. So with that, let's listen to a little more of Laura Logan's interesting reporting. I think that she, her points that she makes, even though they're painful to hear now, are going to, of course, characteristically pan out to be quite true later on. Every sex trafficking ring worldwide knows bring the kids to the United States, that this administration is participating in the trafficking of kids because they're paying uh, companies, LLCs and nonprofits and church groups, they're paying them to take these kids and yep. disappear them, including the report that you showed, have talked about the blood of young children being the secret to anti-aging. And why does nobody ask, where does blood come from? How do you get the blood of young children? And does it matter if the children are younger and younger and younger? So now you're talking, are you talking about the blood of babies now? So there was the famous uh, Newsmax clip where she brought up topics that people are just unprepared to conceptualize in any kind of way. And of course, if you know anything about the world and you have any kind of worldly sense at all, you've heard of adrenochrome and you know that it's a drug that is harvested from adrenalized blood. And a lot of really wealthy people can afford it and they abuse it, especially in Hollywood. It's something that's widely and widely known and it's something that's in the black market. It's something that people are pretending like it doesn't exist. And I don't know about its anti-aging qualities, but I think that's just a gimmick. But it's, it's highly addictive and it's, it's an intoxicating, gives you a high, uh, an intense euphoric effect, from what I understand. And they're getting it from human blood, guys. So, I mean, you, you can be like, oh, my God, that sounds so crazy to me. And you could just be one of the last people on planet Earth to find out about the truth. But the truth is the truth. And it's just going to remain so. And so we need individuals like this to have the courage to step up and, and discuss it. And, of course, people out there that are abusing these drugs and are paying for this this human sacrifice and this consumption of like, cannibalism of human tissue and uh, it, it broken down into like some kind of like pharmaceutical-grade drug that they're taking and capsules and stuff like that. It's, it's far from, it's, it's far from QAnon conspiracy theory. Of course, it's relegated in popular culture and in the current corporatized fascistic news media. It's relegated over there to uh, ideas that cannot be said and cannot be spoken. And as soon as she talked about it openly, they blast her. They, they, they so everyone's talking about the crazy things she's saying. Well, that's, that's the crazy things that she's talking about. And uh, of course, those are things that you're going to find out over the course of time. Maybe you'll you'll be very old when some you know somebody somewhere will finally make it painfully clear and unobscure all the delusions around it that, that people are abusing these drugs and that human life is less and less meaningful. Of course, uh, you can get human body parts from China with just no problem. You just order them up. They'll just go get some Falun Gong uh, people. And uh, take them in the back and chop them up, and you can uh, you can order whatever you need, you know. So it's just the the value of human life is diminished, and the concept of people having the right to their own life and liberty and their property, uh, the constitutional ideas that America is based on, are becoming a highly and philosophically diminished over this devaluation of human life that we're seeing here. So let's carry on. Let's listen to a little bit more of uh, Laura Logan here, and she has an interesting clip. An interesting discussion here on Fox News. Over over a hundred thousand. Take a look. 
I'll ask it again. <laughs> Will he acknowledge that there's a crisis? Well, first, uh, the president and this administration's focus is on digging out of uh, the dismantled and inhumane immigration approach of the last administration. You say that's not a crisis. Well, I think what uh, Ambassador Jacobson and Secretary uh, Mayorkas were conveying and what I've conveyed is it, it doesn't matter what you call it. It is an enormous challenge. We don't feel the need to uh, you know, play games with what it's called. At this point, is this a crisis at the border? Look, I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels on what we have already conveyed is challenging. Why has this administration been so reluctant to call it a crisis with the huge uptick in the number of migrants being detained, including thousands of children? If that doesn't qualify as a crisis, what does? Well, because we think that it's most important to explain the substantive policy of what's happening. Hey, Jen, it was Joe and Barack. They built the cages and put the kids in the cages. Now they're putting kids in cargo container, sh you know, shipping container things with bars on the tiny window. You won't let us see it? Now, this is all happening because of Biden's policies. He has caused what is now, yes, a crisis as, yes, thousands and thousands of migrants, illegal immigrants flocking to the border, undocumented with COVID, by the way, and they are being released into American communities. Facilities used to house migrants are operating beyond capacity in the middle of a pandemic. Seems to be no end in sight. No social distancing, and I don't see a whole lot of mask wearing either. That's not a crisis. Here with Reaction is the host of Lara Logan, No Agenda on FoxNation.com, and Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Let's start with the news, Lara. 100,000, 30,000 kids. Now we got cargo shipping containers that they're putting kids in. They won't let any television cameras in. We're told, oh, but there are butterflies on the walls. I'd like to see the butterflies. How many kids are in the cargo shipping containers? Why are they hiding it from all of us? They're not just hiding that part of it, Sean. They're hiding it all along the way. And um, I was just talking to a few people in law enforcement and agents down at the border, and this is their take. They said, why would the administration call it a crisis when it was planned? Because they know, and I was following this in real time with a number of different sources, they were told from the moment that Biden came into office that they were going to shift from a border security mission to a migrant care mission. They were told that special units would be shut down, and some of them have, like the bicycle units. They were told that agents would be taken off the line and taken off security patrols to process and take care of um, immigrants, and that is exactly what has happened. And they've just been told that in the midst of these numbers, um, they are now, the Biden administration from Monday is going to start processing all of the people who were returned to Mexico under the previous administration's Remain in Mexico program. So, according to uh, reported figures, that was about 65,000 people that were returned by the Trump administration to wait for their asylum claims to be heard, but to wait inside Mexico, not within the borders of the U.S. So as of Monday, if this administration was concerned about the numbers and considered this to be a crisis, they would not be opening up another avenue for more people to be coming in and to have their claims now processed. They're now going to wait for their claims here. And what I 
I was told is that they're going to do them in groups of about 25 at a time, around 100 a day, although the agents have been told to expect those numbers to go up, and that the Mexican government is going to be testing them for COVID. So one question um, that has to be asked of the Biden administration is who is going to pay for that testing of all of these people? And, um, and also, Sean, I would just say that that number that you cited for unaccompanied minors, what many people have missed is that that number is on a par in five months of this fiscal year with the whole of last fiscal year. And we haven't even gotten to the point, if you follow the migration patterns on the border, in the summer months, they go way up. So come April, you're going to see more and more and more people coming across. And even without the summer migration patterns, we're on track for 100,000 unaccompanied minors just this year alone. Wow. Well, Lieutenant Governor, um, we have the unaccompanied minors issue. We can't see the cargo shipping containers. I would like to see right. it. They, you remember, it was Biden and Obama that built the cages and put the kids in the cages, not Donald Trump. Donald Trump stopped that program. The COVID what positivity rate overall in Texas was as high as, what, near 7%. And one town near Brownsville and that sector, it was as high as 25%. That's true? Yeah, well, we don't know the exact number, Sean, but higher than our general population. And the fact that they're putting them on buses and sending them anywhere in the country that we do not know uh, flies in the face of anything the Biden administration has to say to American citizens about what we do to protect ourselves from COVID. They're just letting them into the country. There's no social distancing. There's no care about... Uh, them being in our, in our cities uh, across this country. They just don't care about that. Let me tell you some numbers, Sean. In 2004, the, the Chamber of Commerce said there were 10 million illegal immigrants in this country. We average uh, apprehending about 400,000 on the border every year, but about a, three or four times that many get in that we don't catch. So that's over a million a year, Sean. So since 2004, we're up close to 30 million. This year alone, Sean, just in the last month, we have gone from apprehending 11,000 a week uh, in Texas to 22,000 a week in Texas. So we're on par to apprehend this year uh, close to a million immigrants coming across this country. Many children, a lot of single adults, though, Sean. So if we catch one out of every four, that means that's maybe three to four million alone this year, Sean coming into the, Texas. The, the We're law. facing a, a, this is an intentional design disaster. This is intentional by the Obama administration. So I don't think he misspoke there. I think this is just the second rehashing of the Obama administration. Of course, they cheated and stole the election. And we have this disaster of a deep state tyranny exploding up there in Washington, D.C. because of the fact that the American people were not allowed to choose logically and intelligently their own president. Uh, somebody who, with sanity, was leading the country in a different direction than you can see that we're going now. So now it's all demonstrable. And I'm not like a, a red hat wearing pro-Trump guy, but what I'm saying is, is that the direction the country needs to go in is a direction where we can control our border, where we build up the, the value of our currency, where we have regulations being completely stripped away that constrain the American people and prosperity. And we, so it, it, the same thing with energy. In, in, in a thousand different ways, you can see the extreme whiplash that we're having from turning away from the Trump era policies to go in this direction 
that Biden has taken. And so, of course, some of the, the Trump era policies were so crucial that Biden still has to use them. You know what I'm saying? So this is kind of how entangled we are as they try to, to rip away and use all this divisiveness, and use all these racial politics and, and using people's skin color and, you know, their nationality and all that. So we're in this despicable spot where America now can't even politically control its own border, you know, not to mention whether we have the, the resources or the funding, but we've beaten down our, our immigration departments, we've beaten down ICE, we've beaten down the, the border patrol, we've beaten down the sheriffs so much that they can no longer morally and politically control their borders without looking like there's some kind of racists, you know, so that, that's the kind of dire situation we find ourselves in. And you can see that these policies are going to accumulate over the course of time as this, you know, of course, Washington, D.C. doesn't want us to say replacement theory, but this is exactly what's happening. They're going to replace a outstripped, over-leveraged, digital ID'd, social security'd American populace that's now completely bankrupted by the Federal Reserve System, and they're going to replace them with these maybe useful, more useful, quasi-legal workers. And to be in a quasi-legal state means that you're virtually undocumented and unlawful in your presence in the country. And so you have to keep your head down. You have to be a good little serf. You have to be, uh, you can't be a freeman, right, who's able to freely vote and use the instruments of democracy to steer the government. These illegal immigrants that are replacing Americans don't have any right to vote, right? So even though they might go and do it anyway. So the, the entire politics of the nation is corrupted the way that you take a virulent, deadly pathogen and you put it inside of your biological systems in your body and it begins to tear apart your organs and your, your the health of your blood and the, the health of your, your internal organs in your body. So in the same way, Having all these undocumented and illegal immigrants in the country is devastating the country. And of course, the new right is going to use this, right? The New York's young Republicans or what have you will use this as an extreme grievance in order to enact tyrannical laws. And of course, certain that they'll use the executive branch and they use the military war powers that I, I decry and I think they should be put away. And so I don't want to see leftists and Marxian psychopaths like Obama or his sock puppet with his arm all the way up Joe Biden's ass to, to like li literally use his jaw and his mandible like a, a sock puppet to make him talk. So that's what you're, you're seeing in Washington, D.C. And I don't want any psychos like that using the executive powers, the illegal war powers of the executive branch. And I don't want to see Donald Trump get in there and use them either. So that's the situation. You can, you can see this is going to lead to mass roundups. I know these people think that they're just going to bring them all into the country and they'll just live out their lives here. And the status quo will just stay just the way it is. You're going to have someone like Donald Trump get in there and he's going to activate Homeland Security. It'll, it, it won't be the Council on Foreign Relations, boys. No, we're going to get the, the Council on National Policy. You heard of the CFR, but you never heard of the, the Council on National Policy. The CNP, right? When the, the Council for National Policy boys get in there, they're going to run Homeland Security like a well-oiled machine, and they're going to use it to do mass roundups. And all these people that are coming over the border right now are going to the camps. So that's what's something we have to avoid, guys. We have to avoid it. We have to make sure that these people are warned. If you're in here in the country running around and you think that it's just a free-for-all, they're using you as a grievance and as cannon fodder to make sure that they devastate the American people and use the federal government in, in Washington, D.C., the deep state, in the most devastating and internecine projection of power inwardly onto the American people. 
And of course, the American people are going to be screaming for it because of all the grievances, because of all the problems, because of all the, the transgender story hour with kids at the library, right? All these, all these provocations and all these grievances are going to be used as the American people on the right are getting more and more angry, more and more provoked. They're going to be used to create extremism and to create reactionary right-wing fascism. And that's what we're moving towards here. So we have to see the forest for the trees. We have to understand the direction and how we have to handle this situation carefully. It's delicate. We can't just overturn our entire nation in the effort to try to rip it back from the clutches and the destruction of the, the policies of the globalist elite are, are putting us through here. So we have, to be, we have to be careful and methodical and thoughtful about what well, we, we can't just put someone in, in there who's going to use these war powers, emergency war powers of the executive office. We have to find someone who is going to put the de jure constitutional government back into place and get rid of these executive orders and these executive proclamations because they're totally illegal. They're totally unconstitutional. And we can't have the entire government being run by a unitary executive in the Oval Office. So that's really what's at stake here. It's not about, oh, those guys took away abortion and, and I have a right to my body. And then over there, these guys are these guys are enforcing COVID shots and I have a right to my body. Right? I mean, th these are just the the linguistics and the characteristic chaos of people who are putting us through a, a bipartisan dialectic. Okay, so get used to this dialectical destruction because it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to vote Republican or vote Democrat to get out of this, this downward spiral that we're in. We have to learn how to vote American. And of course, I don't like Joe Biden, but I don't see why we should be forced to turn to Donald Trump. They both went to the University of Pennsylvania, right? You got University of Penn has the Biden Center, and then over there you have Wharton School. That's where, where Trump went, right? They both were friends with Jeffrey Epstein, so, I, I mean, I know that one side's playing the left and one side's playing the right, but, I mean, what, what's really the difference here? What did they really do? They didn't change the debt ceiling. They didn't get us off a central bank, Federal Reserve, fiat currency, right? Trump didn't, he didn't do anything fundamental to change the situation. He just used the executive branch to further nationalistic policies, which it might be good in the short term for America, but the whole picture, the comprehensive solution to the problem was not addressed by Trump. And you can see that Biden is just tearing the country down and dragging us down. So, you know, to go back and vote for Trump again will not be a solution. Of course, that's the knee-jerk, kind of convoluted, apparent solution. But of course, we have to find the real solution. That's why we need to start to listen to journalists that get, uh, that get censured or get taken out by Newsmax. Like, who, who's Newsmax? Who's Newsmax supposed to be? Just some other CNN, just some other Fox trying to control what you can hear. Of course we know what Laura Logan was saying about adrenochrome was true. Of course they get adrenochrome, they get it from adrenalized blood. And they get the adrenalized blood from, from children. Now let's not act like this is so crazy because over there in China... They have a bunch of, they have millions of Falun Gong worshippers that they'll, they'll give you a kidney or a liver right now. And in fact, they'll, they'll go ahead and just send you three or four of them. No problem. Do you think that they won't get you some adrenalized blood from some Uyghur babies? Of course they will. Let's stop acting like we're so proper and we can't, oh, it's stick the wax deeply into our ears so we can't hear. We can't hear the, what Laura Logan is saying. No, we have to listen because this is the truth that's going to become apparent later that no one is paying attention to. So stop censoring yourself. Stop, you know, stop looking around for the, the, the ones who are inflicting us with disinformation and misinformation. It's, it's you.
You're the one who's inflicting us with disinformation and misinformation because you're the one who's putting up with Twitter and Facebook and all these other people censoring what people are saying. And so all this criticism of the COVID job. Well, guess what? The COVID jobs are dangerous. And all you people who took them, you're in danger. Your health is in danger. Now the CDC is coming out and saying, well, if you took any of these jobs, you're probably more likely to have health problems now. So you and your entire family and all y'all took that crap. You wouldn't listen to anyone. You're insane. And you try to get, you try to enforce other people to have to take that poisonous crap. And now as it's all coming out, oh, stick the wax deeply into your ear. Don't listen. Don't listen to the truth. Don't hear it. Right. That's the kind of insanity that we have to deal with. So that's why America is moving towards a civil war because one side or the other can't keep existing together. We can't exist together because you're got you're nuts. You're Marxian and you're evil and you're being inundated with all this like Kool-Aid that you're drinking. And then over here are the rest of us who are trying to find the truth. We're being fearless and courageous. We're being open-minded. We're listening to all the different sources and we're basically paying attention to what's happening. And you're trying to shut us down. You're trying to silence us. You're trying to get us to take jobs. You're trying to take away our rights. You want to enforce baby murder in the womb, but people can't have the right to decide as adults if they want to, their family, they take some kind of like weird pentagon juice no you guys are insane and uh before we americans over here who are free thinking should give up our guns and our rights and our constitution we should just shoot all of you who are trying to take it away all of you all of you over there at the world economic from all of you who are trying to take away our na- our nation and destroy our money and, and flood us with illegal immigrants with this invasion of foreigners all of you globalists uh, who are enforcing these policies from your behind your billionaire desks and your corporate offices we should shoot you and we should kill you and we should take you out before you end up killing us. That's what this is all about. We need to be informed as a people. We need to use the freedom of our speech before we don't have it anymore. We need to use the ability that we have to defend ourselves before we don't have that ability anymore. So in order to kind of characterize this conversation, let's take it up to another level here. And let's listen to a little bit more of a Laura Logan's censured band reporting. I'd like to welcome to the show former 60 Minutes correspondent and journalist, Lara Logan. Welcome to Slightly Offensive for the first time. <laughs> Thank you so much, Elijah. Good to see you there. Yeah, it is really good to see you, Lara, because of the work that you've done over the years uh, with investigative journalism and reporting, you've watched the world shift from where uh, the new 60 Minutes establishment media had some credibility. They still cared a bit about the U.S. Constitution, about the Bill of Rights, about liberty and freedom and honesty, and you've watched it just completely degrade and fall apart, and you yourself get demonized in the process of fighting for the truth. And I just want to get an update. How are you doing, and what's been going on in your life? Well, I've been really kind of busy. You know, I've been uh, getting good at getting canceled. I love it because the last time uh, was from Newsmax, and I didn't even have uh, a relationship or a job or anything with them. Um, And yet they still made a big song and dance about severing ties with Laura Logan, which was just such a lie. Um, And so to me, it's amusing at this point. And I realize that I have to be independent. I have to be on my own because... You have to have the freedom to report honestly, and I think you understand, uh, you know, that better than some. And um, I'm also I'm working on doing my own investigative show. It's um, the 60 minutes format and style of storytelling, but it's done over long form. And we're doing the first season on child trafficking, 
And, and so I'm, you know, I'm not really a business manager and a brand person and a this and a that. I'm a journalist. So it's hard for me. I don't, I don't love doing this kind of stuff, but it's really important. I realize there's a lot of people out there doing interview shows and so on and so on. So I really need to do something different. I need to do what I'm qualified to do. And there are not that many people that know how to do 60 minute style of writing and reporting and that. So I figured I can't let that die with 60 minutes, right? I can't, I mean, I got to do my part in trying to hold on to that and holding on to the principles and the standards of journalism. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the living, breathing example of that in my show. But also we're building Press Club USA, which will be a home for independent journalists and honest journalism. And for all of those people who are not recognized, who are disregarded by the media institutions and the media establishment who have betrayed us all. And it's, it, in a way, it's a kind of revolution because this is the moment that people take back the First Amendment. It wasn't written for six corporations or, you know, for private entities or for a bunch of narcissistic psychotic um elites right um it was written for the people and to serve the people and so we're going to be part of of putting that back in the hands of the people and um that's what we'll do through the press club which will have its own annual awards and accreditation and so on and so on and it'll be a real place that i hope draws journalists from all across the media from mainstream from independent media whatever it happens to be if you're interested in restoring what the media should be then this will be a home for you awesome laura i don't want to jump right into this because you have been canceled and my heart goes out to you because you've been canceled for the truth (laughs) and and the gaslighting and what do you think about the fact that we're going to jump into some stuff by dr fauci the balenciaga saga and the gaslighting that is taking place of the dishonest media that is polluting our world you got canceled by fox and by others for calling out satanic pedophile elites um, and then the Balenciaga well, saga was, happens. What, what do you feel justified? Okay. Well, um, it's funny to me, you know, uh, like I said with Newsmax, I didn't have a contract. I didn't have any ties to Newsmax. I've done Eric Bowling's show just three times. And, you know, Eric reached out to me. He was pretty devastated because he liked having me on there, but I don't have any regrets about what I said because it was true. I mean, they were asking me about the border and I was tying the pieces together and connecting the dots. The same people who are in favor of open borders, you know, these are the people like the pedestas of this world, right? Who are going to with Maria Abramovich and doing spirit cooking dinners. I'm sorry, but if you look into this stuff and you see what it really is, it's not okay. It's not okay. And um, I'm, I am really at peace with all of this, uh, Elijah. I don't care, uh, you know, whatever song and dance and theater people want to make about canceling me. It doesn't really matter to me. I mean, when you look at Fox News, for example, I had a great run at Fox. I love so many of the people there. But when it came to the war coverage of Ukraine, there's not a chance in hell I could have been part of that propaganda and deceit, right? There's not a chance in hell. And I'm a real war correspondent. You know, I spent 15 years of my life at war, right? And uh, and long before that, I was in the wars in Angola and Mozambique, places in Africa that many people in this country have never even heard of or couldn't place on a map. So, uh, you know, I, I have a real piece about this because when you start to peel back the layers and you start to see... Um, and you know the infrastructure that is involved in uh, in promoting and pushing these ideas, right? The fact that you can have uh, 
you know, spirit cooking, and Maria Abramovich can be on the cover of Ukraine's Vogue magazine, and on the cover of Elle magazine, and on, you know, the cover of all of these different magazines, and uh, dressed up in, in uh, obviously satanic, you know, costumes, and uh, doing a very uh, satanic uh, kind of things, holding up a severed head of a goat, and having her hands around a young girl dressed in black, and, you know, all of the stuff with children. I, I mean, it's very simple to me. I'm not okay with it. I, and I think that there's something wrong with people who are. And if we are a society that's reached a point where we're all okay with it, then there's something wrong with our society. But I'm not going down with this shit, right? I don't need any of these people. I follow the facts where they take me, and I'm interested in the truth. And that's it. That's the end of the story. Right. Actually, my show is going to be called The Rest of the Story. <laughs> you know, and I, the story, here it is. Right, and we'll have to watch that because... This is why I love you, Laura, and this is why I've connected with you, because you are one of the few people who come from the establishment, and I myself, you know, leaving the establishment media recently, have found this suppression of, of wanting to avoid talking about real topics because they sound too conspiratorial. But you know what would have sounded too conspiratorial was three years ago telling me that there were going to be drones in China spraying disinfectants on people locked down, that there was going to be people in China that were going to be locked in their buildings from the outside, and that they were they were going to die in a fire, and the government was going to blame them for not knowing alternate escape routes. I mean, that stuff I would have said was, was not even possible in China, let alone getting into what's happening here. And I think it's crazy because it's like we're seeing the truth and the reality. And I want to play this clip. You know, uh, you were calling out the pedophile elite and what they're doing. They say they're the pedophile elite and they talk about what they're doing. They literally confess it. And then when we call it out, they call us crazy. They call us conspiracy theorists. When in reality, they're saying it's more of a right-wing idea. They can't even get themselves in the Balenciaga saga to condemn the use of pedophilic imagery. Listen to this of Joy Behar explaining that, you know, it's still kind of a right-wing conspiracy, even when it's in front of us. On this ad campaign particularly distasteful um, in this moment. So there's this, there's growing anti-LGBTQ sentiment right now. And oh. how it's being framed is as portraying, you know, trans people as groomers. This is a term you'll hear on the far right. They're groomers. This is where you get the anti-drag queen stuff that we're right. seeing. So Balenciaga played right into their hands by having kids in a sexualized manner carrying something that represents you know sex acts i think it was a really bad misstep at a moment where it's just kind of a dangerous time to even give credence to those kind of insane takes yeah i mean we can't even show the picture because it's so distasteful but what's also very distasteful is like balenciaga lately i mean <laughs> their stuff is just ugly i mean the, the bag that their little girl is holding is ugly do you remember when kim k was oh, dressed God. in balenciaga for the gap laura okay all right, so I'm Sicilian, Elijah. I'm a Sicilian African by birth, and my fire just went through the roof. Because, okay, first of all, I got to say this. I don't know who that stupid woman is that spoke first, but if you're going to try to make this political and make it about, you know, dangerous, crazy right-wing theories, okay, no, right? It's not about that. Let's be very, very clear. Has, has anyone taken the time to look at the investigations that journalists have done into the stylist from Balenciaga, okay? Because if you have, you will see this woman. I mean, there she has a photograph of herself in a, in a blood red suit with two babies covered in blood. She posts on her Instagram the murder scene of a child's bedroom with blood stains everywhere and kid stuff. I mean, uh, 
she's got they they, they literally have people lying there that have been cannibalized with their insides hanging out. They, there's a young woman doing that. There's a woman with her legs spread open on a pentagram on her Instagram page. She designs for Adidas and for Balenciaga. So the people, wait, let's see, didn't Adidas just cancel Ye? They canceled Kanye West because he's so offensive. But it's perfectly okay to post poems that are about ripping out the insides of a virgin. And having her laying out there on your bed, soaking blood with her guts hanging out. Because that's on the stylist from Balenciaga. That was on her Instagram page. I read it yesterday when I read this to my uh, 13-year-old son. Because he was a Balenciaga fan. And he and I showed him the pictures. And my child looked at me and he said, Mom, the pictures are hard to look at. And they're disgusting. And I will never... Balenciaga is done for me. It's over. He said, but the words, the words are beyond anything. I, I, he's like, I feel sick. Okay. That's from that poem about, uh, you know, tearing up this virgin's body and having her bleeding into the bed that the stylist from Balenciaga posted. Never mind. Never mind that they had the papers in another campaign from the Supreme Court case that refused to basically crack down on child pornography. Never mind that they had the book from this Belgian lunatic, uh, Martin Bormans, I think his name is, who literally in this book, they have pictures of castrated toddlers, toddlers who've been castrated, covered in blood, running around with others. I mean, are you kidding me? Shame on the view. Shame on all of these people that you don't take the time to find out the facts, that you fall back into this knee-jerk political nonsense where you blame it on the right, you dismiss everything as misinformation. It's on you at this point because there's more than enough evidence there. You know, Balenciaga themselves have been uh, have had to admit that this is a major issue and Anyone who has half a brain knows that there is not just a photographer on those sets. There's a stylist and a marketing branding person. There's the front office people. These campaigns go through proof editors. They get uh, approved for the magazine for layouts. The editor going out on the campaign and the billboards and everything. You have designers who are involved. You have the owners of the company. You have the, the cyber people because they've got to know what they're pushing and how they're pushing it and what the algorithms are that they're going to use. There is a small army of people that is involved in all of these campaigns typically and trying to blame it on one of these or one of those and then dismiss it because of right-wing propaganda if you are one of those people i just want you to know that there are interviews with survivors i have spoken to people on from rescue operations i've spoken to therapists who piece these people back together the abuse that we're talking about goes back a very very long time <laughs> So we just have to interrupt that programming for our sponsor, our wonderful sponsor, promoting us here. And it's uh, wendyslimited.com. Wendyslimited.com has all your hottest new styles and latest couture trends. And so we have to talk about our wonderful sponsor, Wendy's Boutique Limited Online, is your hottest connection with 
all the latest styles and brand names and latest trending designers. And so you just can't say uh, enough about Wendy's Boutique. Uh, when you're out there and you have to shop for some of your lovely female uh, friends or uh, lady members of your family, maybe your wife, or if you have a daughter who has to just look her very best, you have to go to wendyslimited.com. And wendyslimited.com has all the latest brand names and hottest designers and all the different kind of latest jewelry and accessories you just absolutely have to have. And you'll find different brand names available on wendyslimited.com. Of course, you can find the uh, latest Versace styles and Gucci. Just everything you absolutely have to have. So um, when you go shopping for your beautiful lady uh, counterparts there, so, like we said, uh, please check out wendyslimited.com if you want to support us here on our work. Definitely uh, check out wendyslimited.com. And when you have, like, children who are two, three, four years old who are strung up by their feet and who are tortured and raped to death in that position, it is not okay. If you don't believe this is happening, then there's something wrong with you. And you're the crazy person. Because there is more than enough testimony and evidence and eyewitness accounts that are out there. I know a guy in special operations who was posted in Bangladesh who described being down on the docks and seeing cages upon cages upon cages of kids being ready to be shipped. If you don't believe that, then look at the shipping industry. Why are they buying technology that helps them uh, know if there's uh, a certain hormones that humans release when they pee or when they're afraid? And they can find that inside the shipping containers because they ship kids and in shipping containers all over the world, including from China all the way across here, where these children have no idea where they're going. I've seen surveillance footage of children being snatched it happens so fast, Elijah. I mean, it is like this. You know, a person asleep in an airport or in a train station with their children next to them, and somebody comes past and just lifts up one of those babies and it's gone into a bag. You know, a kid on a bicycle stops on the street to talk to a bunch of people, car pulls up, kid is in the car, gone. I mean, this is actual real surveillance footage that I have seen that will be part of my series that will make every mother and father just terrified. I worked for years, for years when I was in the British media on stories where grandparents are walking with a child and a guy pulls up in a van, a kid is gone before the grandparents can even catch up and, and get to the road. You know, and there's manhunts all summer long in the UK looking for these kids. And I can tell you about cases on the dark web. They have something called Hercore. Hercore is a particular form of pornography. It's called sadistic porn. And this is where they pay to see children suffer, tortured to death while they're being raped for their sexual pleasure. It's one of the fastest growing genres of pornography on the dark web. Okay, and there are, I mean, I can tell you from content moderators at places like Facebook, the things that they would get sent to them, the videos, I can tell you from survivors, there's an amazing survivor, Eliza Blue, 
um, on, on Twitter who I have followed for years, but there are many others. There's, there's a 60 Minutes Australia interview going back, I don't know, to the 70s or 80s of a survivor of a satanic cult um, who was raped and saw children raped and murdered and whose story was well documented and never, ever, ever disputed. Okay, I mean, there's just so much evidence. I'm working, I'm on the board of the Association for the Recovery of Children. Um, there are different organizations that are working cases that I can't talk about, but I can tell you that I have seen photographs and read conversations that will make you vomit. It will make you vomit. It's the kind of thing that people don't want to face and they don't want to accept that it's going on. Like what, like what is, is being said, though? Well, I mean, if you if you have to censor some words, it's fine. But I'm kind of interested. What is it that you've seen that's like evidence that they're trying to scrub or trying to make us think is not happening? Because they're trying to make us seem crazy, Laura. Well, they're trying to make it seem like we're we're people, insane. People in retired retired law enforcement who are trafficking kids. Um, people in NGOs and foundations who are trafficking kids. People in child protective services who are tracking uh, kids. One of these uh, mothers. Um, was targeted and uh, an elected official, uh, actually someone who was running for office, in her messages she said she didn't care that this woman and her kids were raped, that they're just another just another rape victim who gives, who cares one bit. There's a trafficker who's sending messages to people with photographs saying, you know, I'm going to kill this kid tonight, but maybe I'll have him F-U-C-K, this other person first, tore up his axle, let me send it to you. Um, you know, this kind of thing, right? These people are the embodiment of evil. They are the embodiment of evil. I have seen pictures of children with lacerations and bruises, I mean, so swollen that their faces are unrecognizable. I have seen rape videos that are so violent. Let me tell you, Elijah, one of the hours of my series is going to be about human farming. We talk about trafficking, not enough, but we talk about it. We do not talk about human farming. We do not talk about what happens to these single mothers. A lot of them are black, a lot of them are Hispanic. They go into so-called family court and they get targeted by child protection services and the traffickers that they're working with and their children get taken from them, their lives get destroyed and guess what? The traffickers target them too. They rape the mothers as well. And why? Because they want them to give birth. Because their births are never recorded. And their deaths are never recorded. And this is what I'm investigating at the moment. I'm also investigating places that do organ transplants. Where babies are, according to the sources that I have, and I'm still confirming this. This is not confirmed. Okay? But what I am investigating now, because I have enough that makes an investigation worth my time is I investigating places that are doing, they're giving birth to babies and they're doing postpartum abortions, but they're taking the organs of these kids first. So we'll add this link and you can go ahead and listen to the rest of her discussion, but you can see why she's so incredibly banned. It's because she's the only one out there doing real journalism. She's the only one who is willing to point out what everyone else is either too scared or, or too myopically focused on whatever helps them keep their job. You know, people have to wear masks in the hospital, you know, when they're, when they have trades and they work in the medical care, they, they can't, you can't step out of line. It's, I mean, it's the only field you've ever known. It's the only business, you know, training that you have. So if you suddenly take a stand and say, you know what, 
I now admit that these masks are ridiculous and stupid and they don't really work and they're just all for show and this is just a control mechanism. Then you lose your job and you get kicked out and they'll just get somebody to replace you. So you have this whole population of sycophant, terrified little weaklings who are too scared to, to open up their mind and they're too scared to act and too scared to just you know change jobs and try something else out and, and just put up with whatever the system tells you to put up with. Take whatever shot they tell you to take. They tell you to wear three masks. You're wearing them. And, and you just love it. And you'll like it. And you just say, yes, sir, may I have another. And so that's what you're dealing with here is you're looking at the fact that we have people who are willing to talk about these issues. And if you wanted to watch that really excellent podcast where she's uh, discussing those issues about the, the kidnapping, they show several videos that are just chilling to the bone of people rolling up and kidnapping children on on uh, on CCT camera or lo- local security footage. They catch these kidnappings, and, and it's terrifying. It's terrifying what you're seeing. And, and, of course, this wholesale destruction and consumption, like cannibalism, of children in this dis- dis- despicable and, and, and heinous manner is all coming from the fact that we've just got done aborting 100 million babies in America. So women all over the country, whenever they would get impregnated, and let's not talk about incest or when the uncle raped her or when you know the woman was raped, because that's less than a percent. All the other 99.999% of the time that women had abortions is because they went out and had sex with a guy, and they were impregnated, and they were scared or had a child that they didn't want, and so they threw it away like garbage, the way you throw uh, McDonald's trash out your window. When you're driving, right? But of course, these people are more likely to save the planet and keep the trash in their car into a proper trash receptacle and not litter. Uh, they're, they're more likely to, to go and just throw baby away. And, and where, where, where does the baby tissue go after you have abortions, after you have 100 million abortions? Well, somebody down at Planned Parenthood is going to get a Lamborghini when they sell off all the body parts. Of course, you're not allowed to hear about that. That Those are just the, the reporting of real journalists like Project Veritas, or in this case, Laura Logan, is willing to tell us the unvarnished truth and is not going to accept some kind of payday in order to lie to us. And so this is why it's so important that we put this information out there and that we make it available for people to, to really have a look at what you're not being told and to perpetuate the truth as much as possible out here. And in every search engine and everywhere we can, we have to point out that in America... Women who have high-level intelligence and who have high-level potential and who have within them the strength and the ability and the, and the wherewithal to take a stand and to recognize that in America we have the freedom to take a stand like this. You can see that it's only here in America. I don't, I don't see even, even in Western civilization over in England, I don't hear any challenging, heavy-duty, groundbreaking journalism like that we hear in America. So we, I don't see, I don't see any men or women journalists in the UK. I don't see any men or women journalists in Europe. I don't see any men or women journalists anywhere else in the world. But here in America, we have women leading America's intelligentsia. We have the possibility for women to not only break through the glass ceiling, but to lead America in this fight of conviction, this battle of principles, and in toward the path of duty and courage that so many others are just not willing to go down. So you have all these sellouts of, of George Soros and Klaus Schwab level, you know, total traitors, total globalist pigs to get the Henry Kissingers of the world trying to get us to make these huge missteps and get us to make these errors in judgment and leading us down the primrose path. And, and it, it's, it's up to us to find those people who will tell us the truth when it matters, when everyone else has the uh, the Ukrainian flag fingernails and just walk around with the, the Ukrainian flag 
masks on. Everyone is going to, oh, we hate Russia, we, you know, and everyone just piles on because they're just victims of the brainwash. They're being pushed into every direction, just like with the COVID narrative. They're able to get massive populations, hundreds of millions of people, billions of people around the world to march like zombies, to run like lemmings over the cliff. And it's up to the rest of us to, to have reason to listen to the voices of truth and to be able to, with a clear mind, push off this corporate fascist media conspiracy theory and to truly find the, the actual facts of the matter. And of course, you can see that they're in a depopulation mode. Okay, so every, everything that comes out of these institutions and the National, National Institutes of Health and the CDC, we can expect that on every level that this entire system, this entire cabal of globalism that you're seeing operating through the deep state in Washington, D.C., and in London, and in Rome, you can see that they're going to do whatever they can to silence the opposition by killing off as many people as possible. You're going to see massive famines. You're going to see outbreaks of destructive diseases, d diseases there's no vaccine for, whatever you want to call a vaccine today. Of course, the CDC can tell you that Pepsi-Cola is a vaccine. You know, they, they tell you that they're going to grow vaccines inside lettuce and feed it to people. And you know, so you can see that these people have completely lost their minds. They think that they are going to own the future. And nothing could be further from the truth because these guys couldn't help Western civilization with all their ability, their so-called ability to engineer the future. But they're just going to use the Malthusian principles of disease and destruction and chaos and entropic warfare. Okay, entropic warfare is another issue uh, from another fabulous reporter that we're going to be talking about very soon. And the process of using, setting off uh, deadly viruses around the world to destabilize and weaken the rest of the world. Uh, in order to get a little bit ahead. That's a, kind of a, an example of entropic warfare. And with that, we'll introduce this last article here. Fascinating discussion. It's the latest interview I could find because, of course, right now we have to silence this woman. We have to shut down this super intelligent journalistic uh, periscope into reality so that we have to just be stuck with Leslie Stahl and 60 Minutes and all the kind of hogwash that they give us over there in the corporate fascist news conglomerates. So in order to just kind of get a better perspective on what she has to say in her unvarnished and thought-provoking journalism, let's listen to more with Laura Logan here. It's a balancing act. Now, sometimes you're doing an interview with a complete dirtbag, you know, someone um, who has a particular role in a story, and your job is to take them to task. Okay, that's fine. But when you're dealing with the president of a country, when when, Tom, when Scott Kelly did his interview with George Bush, he didn't go on Air Force One and grill Bush. I mean, there, there's a million things you could have grilled Bush about, right? And, and he didn't have any adversarial moments in that interview. So I'm not saying that you can't have an adversarial moment in Leslie's interview with, with Trump. But what was just so unfortunate is that it really was a stupid interview. It wasn't smart. The questions were stupid. They played to the masses. They played to the narratives. It was more propaganda. And, and that was one of those moments that, like the Arizona night on Fox, where you knew, you had to know in your heart that 60 Minutes was never going to do any real reporting ever again. And then when you add to that the glowing profile of the head of the Ford Foundation, which is no different to the Soros Foundation, maybe on a smaller scale, I don't know everything, but they're no different. And you see the glowing profile of Bill Gates and nothing about the thousands of kids who have been 
crippled from his uh, vaccines in Africa, in South Sudan, in uh, India. The, the girls, the young girls made him fertile. The fact that he was sanctioned by the Indian parliament and, you know, banned from India in, uh, until, well, at least his, his vaccines were until COVID, when they managed to undo a lot of that ground, you know. The fact that you, uh, that there's no... There's no real honesty in any of the reporting. There's no, they don't apply the same standard anymore across the board. You know, that, that is, um, that's pretty nauseating to me. It's, I've gone through a gambit of emotions. There's the outrage. There's the disappointment. There's the uh, sense of betrayal. There's the disbelief. There's, of course, in the beginning, you're surprised and you're shocked and all of that. But now I'm just left with, I know that there are good people there, but what defines the program now is cowardice. You know, they've chosen the coward's way out. They put Yuval Noah Harari on 60 Minutes. I mean, the man is a psychotic, genocidal lunatic, and you never challenged him, you know, and you never went back, even if there were things that you didn't know at the time that you now know, you never went back because because this man is right at the heart of some of the most profound and disturbing things happening. When this guy talks about the most of the continent of Africa and most of the continent of India becoming useless eaters whose lives have no value and no worth, those are the words of, uh, of genocide, mm -hmm. right? Those are the words of mass killers. And you don't care that you help to elevate this person on your show? You don't feel any responsibility to going back and doing more honest reporting? And um, and then the shameful reporting on DeSantis, where, you know, they tried to make out like it was all about racism, that he was trying to prevent uh, minority people from getting the vaccine. First of all, you're doing them a favor if you prevented them from getting the COVID shots. But that aside, um, when, you know, putting that he put these mobile clinics uh, too far away from disadvantaged poor neighborhoods and, um, you know, it, it with Publix, I think it was, right, with doing this deal with Publix or not doing the deal with Publix, whatever it was, right. they measured the distance from the neighborhoods and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't say that there were these mobile centers that you could get vaccinated at, you know, um, if you wanted to. And so that was fundamentally dishonest. And um, it's just, you know, one example after another. It, what, what unfortunately the show lacks today is any real courage. And then one of the most egregious things of all, you know, was the CISA guy. I mean, wow. I just, I, to use your platform as 60 Minutes, to take this guy from CISA, who was a complete political stooge. There was no indication or evidence that there was any sort of hacking or compromise of election uh, systems on, before, or after November 3rd. Right, and use him and not reveal that the very same voting companies that uh, were... Uh, certifying this as the most secure election in history. I mean, that these were the same people that they were sitting on the sister advisory council, not peeling back those layers and doing any real investigative journalism and doing any real honest journalism and not having any integrity or courage in, in your reporting, just willing to be part of this. I understand the pressure, you know, this is a big story and you've got the guy, this is, this declaration was the, uh, was the death knell right, for many of the efforts to get to the truth of what happened in 2020. In that moment, it was critical and decisive. And you knew, every journalist there, every producer there, the people in charge, they all knew that that's what they were doing. 
and they crushed that movement in that moment and with a with a declaration that was 100% dishonest and factually incorrect and there was every journalistic means was available to you to verify that or at least to ask the question and do and um, and to raise the issues that passed out on that and put it in a more honest light and they didn't do that that was how many arizona moments do you need with 60 minutes to realize and understand that in spite of the many great things that they've done over the years and that they still do that they have become little more than a mouthpiece a captured uh, entity yes it's very it's it's heartbreaking to me well, it is. And you say in the good things they still do. I don't know. I might debate you on that. I can't remember the last time I saw a good, honest, actual journalistic 60 Minutes episode. But the good news is the veil is I being concede. lifted. I concede. I'll be honest. I don't watch the shows You're being I'm polite. You're being yeah. polite. And I'd expect that from somebody you, you, <laughs> you used to love the place. So I don't blame you a bit. But the veil is being lifted and people are starting to see how captured 60 Minutes and the mainstream media is. And by the way, I'm and, old and I And I used to respect so many people there, right? I and I, I have people I care about and love that are still there. Yeah. And so I want to be respectful. I know how hard... Uh, they work, and I know how hard it is uh, to produce, you know, something of quality at that level. It's just unfortunate that that quality now has become a vessel for propaganda and deceit, and honestly, above all else, cowardice. Well, that's right, because that's Le- Leslie see. Stahl clearly had an agenda in that yes. interview with Trump. She wasn't being a neutral journalist. But I do want people to understand, I'm not taking a political position on Leslie Stahl, even if it seems to you that I am. What I'm telling you is that what Leslie did in that interview with Trump is she didn't go in in a way, asking her questions in a way that allowed anyone to listen to the answer. You knew her opinion. And that's not the standard that we applied at 60 Minutes. That wasn't the goal. That wasn't the standard that every journalist is supposed to aspire to, right? You don't just want everyone to agree with you. You want people to hear the answer and make up their own minds. That's what I always tried to do. And now, of course... If someone is giving you uh, a nonsense answer or they're not answering your question, that's when, you know, Mike Wallace made it really famous. He would say, come on, right? And I, I always, I didn't have a device like that. I just wasn't good at that. But, but he, was, he was able to be skeptical and still do it in a way that allowed the person to, 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 to answer respond. and come back. Right. Yes, to respond. And so what are you doing all the time that you're doing this? You're getting more and more and more out of the person that you're interviewing. And that is the point. Why did I take the time to sit down with you? Because I want to know and I want to understand. And if we want this to be superficial, well, then just go and watch, you know, just go and watch CNN or, you know, Fox News or MSNBC in the daytime. Well, that's right. 60 Minutes is supposed to be the gold standard. And so you've triggered my memory of that interview with uh, Leslie Stahl because it was Donald Trump who said to her, Leslie, they spied on my campaign. And instead of her saying, sir, that's ridiculous, but tell me, why would you believe that? She says, no, no, they didn't. The biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign. There's no real evidence of that. Of course there is. It's all over the place. Leslie, they spied on my campaign and they got caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes. No, sir, there's no evidence of that at all. But she wasn't having a conversation. She was just blatantly sharing her opinion and her agenda, which is why he got so offended and left. And I was offended watching it as a viewer. It's offensive. It's not journalism at all. And so that's what we get in Upside Down World. By the way, I'm old enough to remember Andy Rooney. They'd give him two, three minutes at the end of every segment to speak his mind. 
we don't see that anymore. So we don't get Andy Rooney. We don't get Laura Logan, but we get Anderson Cooper. Welcome to the brave new world. Well, and you know, I'm so glad you pointed out that example because here's another part of it. As, As a journalist, one of the most valuable lessons I learned is to be conscious of what I don't know. And what happened in that interview, Leslie still had no basis for being definitive about what she said on that point, because look at what we now know. They've admitted they were spying on the Trump campaign, right? And so what you say then is exactly something like you said. You can say, well, you know, so far, we haven't seen any evidence of that. A lot of people don't believe you. Why should we believe you? And let him talk, right? I mean, if you feel strongly that that's the case. Or you can, you you know, you, you just, in being conscious of what you don't know, you, uh, you do a service to your audience and to your own reporting. And then, not, you know, because you're leaving the door open, right? You have to be conscious of what you don't know. But what I would say to you is, even at that point, there is no excuse for 60 minutes buying into the lie that the Trump campaign wasn't being spied on because there was enough evidence at that point even for them to know the truth, but they didn't want to know it. They didn't want to confront it. Just like, you know, I this is another Arizona mo- Fox Arizona moment for me. When General McMaster was National Security Advisor at the time and Trump had that meeting with the Russians in the White House, and you remember the headlines, people can Google it, they won't have any trouble finding it. It was all the headlines were about Trump has leaked classified information to the Russians. There was, you know, the purpose of that story was to build a false narrative that there was some kind of special relationship between Trump and the Russians that had got him elected and that he was now selling out America's soul to the Russians, right? And they created something out of nothing. How do I know that? Because the act of speaking for a president, any president of the United States, is by law an act of declassification. As the commander-in-chief, He is the only, the president is the only single person alive on the planet who, through the act of speaking, can carry out an act of declassification. So whatever Trump says, or Reagan, or any other president, as they say it, it is declassified by law. So you cannot leak classified information if you are the president. Nobody said that in their reporting. And all you had to do to figure that out was to look at the law and what it says about how information is classified. It's only classified one of two ways. One, or declassified. Classified or declassified by the originating authority, right? So the originating, if it, if it originates with the CIA or the DIA or the NSA or the NRO, the National Constance Organization or the National Geospatial Agency and so on, if they are the source of that information, they are the classification authority and they determine the class, the level of classification. If you want to use that, say you send that to the State Department, Hillary Clinton wants to use that information, but she just wants this paragraph, or she wants the whole document, it doesn't matter. They have to apply in writing to that organization. They then, as the originating authority, have to agree, and they have to reissue that information to the State Department here. Here's your declassified paragraph or whatever, or your downgraded classification, whatever it is that was requested, if it was approved, or ultimately if it was denied. The only other way to declassify anything is if the commander-in-chief, you know, and then is through this act of declassification, you either go through the legal process that is relevant to that agency, or you go through the commander-in-chief. So every single news outlet that reported that Trump had broken the law and leaked classified information was fundamentally 
100% inaccurate. And there's no excuse for not knowing that because all of us can look up the laws and speak to people about how information is classified and declassified. And that's just the fact. So that was the moment for me when I realized, okay, none of these journalists, none of these organizations have any interest in the truth because there's nothing easier than figuring out how information is classified and declassified. I already knew it because of the Hillary Clinton thing. Because what did they do? They came out and they said, oh, there was nothing classified in her inbox. Well, that was a lie. Then they came out later and said, oh, it was classification gone a mock that the things that were classified were uh, overclassified and they should never have been classified that way. What they were referring to was only information supplied by the State Department because only the State Department, they only have control, they only have the ability to classify and declassify information they generate. Yes, as the originating authority, that is with their power. But they can't take NSA documents or CIA documents and determine classification levels or change classification levels. So when they said that, they weren't lying about what they had declassified, uh, right? Because they said, oh, that, was, that should never have been classified in the first place, right? <clears throat> what, <clears throat> what they said was that should never have been classified in the first place. That, that could only apply to, to information from the State Department. When it came to the National Geospatial Agency, which Hillary Clinton did have in her email server, and when it came to things from the NSA and so on and these other agencies, that was a complete lie. But journalists, again, didn't do their job and didn't know enough, know enough to be able to say to the Clinton campaign spokesperson, but wait a minute, that doesn't apply to the NRO. That doesn't apply to the NSA. You're only talking about the State Department information. What about these other emails that the Inspector General confirmed that she had in her survey? And by the way, by the way, every time you sit down at your desk in the United States government, if you have access to secret information and you have access to, I mean, to classified information, and to unclassify, guess what? You have two servers. You have two computers. They're not even allowed by law to be on one server. So did any journalist ask how many servers Hillary Clinton had? Did they ask that question? They only ever talked about one server. Nobody ever said that Hillary Clinton had more than one server. So just the fact that she had her declassified system and her classified system on the same server was a, a violation of law. And once again, you know, I didn't follow this because I hate Hillary Clinton or because I'm some right-wing lunatic. I followed it because I wanted to know the truth. And no, I wasn't a, a fan of Hillary Clinton after she put her attack dogs in Media Matters for America on me to attack my Benghazi reporting and try to destroy my life and make me unemployable. So no, I wasn't a fan. But if she was telling the truth, I would have gone with that because I care more about the truth than anything else. I don't want, I don't want my doctor to tell me I don't have cancer when I do. When I had cancer, I didn't want him to lie to me. I didn't like the truth. Didn't want to live with it. Didn't want to deal with it. But I'd rather have a fighting chance, right? Because I'm a fighter. And, and I like to know where I stand. And as long as we are illusions, are suffering under illusions and deceived, we cannot begin to address any of this. And we cannot have the right strategy to address it. You know, out of an abundance of respect for you and all the time you've given us, I had three more topics to talk to you about. Let me just let ask me try, you, let me ask go, if you let pick one. Let me ask okay. if you pick one, though. So we'll go in reverse order here. I'll read the topics, and then you decide which one we should talk about. So uh, $110 billion for Ukraine via four emergency aid packages passed by the criminal U.S. Congress. That's one subject. The other subject I wanted to mention is the mRNA experimental nanobio jab 
aka COVID-19 vaccine, and the on-field collapse, cardiac arrest of NFL Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin. But then the other topic is Brunson v. Adams and the idea that 388 of these federal officers committed treason on the evening of January 6th. So to me, the real insurrection on January 6th, 2020, was the treason committed by these vipers who would not hear the evidence from 100 people in our government that wanted to share the evidence of a stolen election. So which one of those should we talk about? I'm going to make, I know people won't believe this, but I'm going to make one critical point on each of those things, and I'm going to go in reverse order, okay? If you start with Brunson, what worries me about Brunson is when you see a remedy, right? Because the remedy is to the Brunson case is if they rule in favor of that, then every one of those uh, congressmen and women who committed treason has to be removed. So what you're talking about is a drastic solution, right? I don't, I have not witnessed anything in recent memory that tells me that the Supreme Court has the courage to carry out a drastic solution. So what I then become concerned about is hopium. It's not that the case isn't valid. It's not necessarily that it's right or it's wrong. It's that I just look at that and the hype around it, and I think that the chances that the Supreme Court is going to have the courage to get rid of the whole of Congress and uphold this law, if it is, if that is the right thing to do, are zero. So, uh, to me, that leads us to a much more fundamental point to address that, of where we are in this country, that justices all the way up to the Supreme Court are not following the law Right? They're not following the law anymore. They're following, they're applying the law politically. And that is a breakdown of the justice system as a whole. That is a breakdown of the separation of powers. That is a breakdown of the republic. Because those things protect the republic. So it becomes much more fundamental to me. And I and I have to say I do one hundred percent that the real insurrection on January sixth actually was carried out by Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi working together, this is one of those issues that exposes the unit party, where they work together to prevent, to prevent the, uh, the, you know, the, the congressmen, whatever you want to call it, this rebellious caucus in Congress, these congressmen who wanted to raise the issue of the questions over the 2020 election and send it back to the states, right? There were enough questions in enough counties, in enough states, and there was enough congressional support for this to be raised on January 6th and to force Congress and to take a position on it and send it back to the states for, I, get, I forget how many days it is, I think it's 100 days, and address those questions. And the only thing that did not happen on January 6th because of the way events unfolded was that. So the real goal of January 6th, yes, it was to, to silence and intimidate and persecute the American people because the American people voted Trump into power and they were always the target. So it was 100% designed to do that. But most importantly, what did they have to stop? They had to stop that issue of fraud and the issues of the states and that rule ever being raised because they couldn't have, they could not have voted against it and gotten away with it. It would have exposed them just like they're being exposed, they've been exposed since. We didn't really know where Liz, you know, how much of a, of a traitor Liz Cheney was before all of this unfolded with Trump, right? We didn't know before January 6th that she would willingly participate in the persecution of American citizens and political prisoners and that she would back 
them being held in solitary confinement without ever being convicted of a crime, without exercising any of their uh, rights to, you know, a free and fair investigation and a free and um, innocent until proven guilty, habeas corpus, and so on and so on and so on. We didn't really know the degree to which these people would go to to betray the American people until all of this was exposed. So, so um, that is my point. My 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 single and main point on January about January six and the Brunson case is that it is one hundred percent those events were designed to prevent this issue of vote forward from being exposed and following the law and following the Constitution and going back to the states. And that was the real insurrection. And and I have serious doubts. I could be completely wrong, but we have seen nothing from the Supreme Court that indicates to me that they are not going to make a political decision and be a bunch of cowards. And then uh, to your uh, to your other point about um, the Demar Hamlin. Yes, you said Demar something Hammond. brilliant. I jotted this down just to jog your memory before we hit record. You said the Demar Hamlin incident really reveals the tactics of censorship and oppression of the truth. Yes, because years ago I learned uh, um, that the uh, the Democrat narrative, the leftist narrative, the progressive narrative in this country, the people, the propagandists and the political operatives behind that realized and decided, they made a decision that emotion was the most powerful motivator and convinces people, right? So that they they decided to structure all of their campaigns and all of their policy arguments in emotional terms. And so what what, what happened with Damar Helmut, the moment this happened, right, of course people raised the question about the COVID shot because we are living in a time where over a thousand athletes across the world are dropping dead in the middle of games. And we have not witnessed this before. That's just a fact. And so, so it's uh, it stands to reason when you see something happen that you've never seen happen before. You look to decide, well, what has changed? Why are football players dropping dead on on the the field? Why are tennis players dropping on the tennis court? Why, you know, why is this happening? What is different, right? What do they have in common, and what has changed? Well, obviously, the COVID shot is what they have in common, and that's what's changed. And so it's a legitimate question to raise. But the immediate thing that happened was everybody said, oh, no, no, all the people who every time there's a mass shooting want to use the emotion of the moment to to discuss gun control, right, and to introduce gun control measures and to capitalize all of the people who want to capitalize and exploit the emotion of the moment in order to advance their political agenda were the same people saying, you, this, this is this bad taste. You can't ask questions like this. You can't ask the obvious question about the vaccines because this is bad taste. You know, what about the poor family? Well, let me tell you, every time there's a terrorist bombing, you know, uh, you think that the families of the victims want to hear the conversations that are on television. You think, you know, when Steve Space was shot, that his family wanted to hear what was said on television. I'll tell you, friends, I'm close friends of Michael Buble. You think when his son was injured, because they pulled a pot of hot water under it, that he wanted to listen to people on the morning show on ABC talking about what, whether or not he and his wife were terrible parents. There's a lot of things that people, when you're the, at the center of a news story that are very difficult for you to hear about, when your daughter is murdered, do you want to turn on the television and see reports about the, 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 the hunt for her murderer? You know, no, you don't want to be reminded of these things. It's very difficult. So, I mean, of course uh, we have that, but, but it was the... Hypocrisy reveals truth to us. 
So when people are being hypocritical, so the same people who want to talk about gun control when the when your children are still bleeding out in Uvalde or you know um, uh, other places, those are the same people who say it's it's in bad taste in the emotion of the moment to discuss what could be the possible causes. You have no right to do that. Well, that hypocrisy tells you everything that you need to know, that this is a tactic of information warfare manipulation, and I'm just not going to, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anyone, ever. I don't want to hurt Damar Hamlin's family. I don't want to be insensitive. That's not who I am as a person. I'm a very respectful person. So I I don't want to jump on the bandwagon. But if you're talking about the principle of when you're allowed to discuss something when you're not, well, now that's a whole another subjective conversation, and I'm not going to fall for that because this is the same tactic. If you look, I have a document that was sent to me in the wake of um, the Parkland shooting, and it was being handed out to the kids at Parkland High School. And it is exactly this narrative. It was written in 2012, so years before. It's the same playbook that's still being used. They tell people, don't talk about the Second Amendment because that's an argument you can't win. You know, don't do this, don't do that. Talk. Only focus on the emotion. Focus on the child that you saw dying in front of you if you're a survivor. Focus on the parent that's lost their their child. Focus on the emotional side of the argument because that is where we're going to win. And on the substance of the argument, when it comes to the right to bear arms and the founding fathers and the principle of the government not being the only entity that is able uh, to have and hold arms so that you can defend yourselves as people, well, we don't want to talk about any of those because they know they're going to lose. They're going to lose that argument. And so that's what I would say to you about the Demar Hamlin case is that as uncomfortable as it might be, for them to say that no one has the right to ask those questions is a fundamental violation of the right to speak free speech and the Constitution of the United States. And they know that because they use these tactics themselves. Hey, before you move on to Ukraine, just real quick, do you mind if I play a quick clip? This is very, very brief. This is from a doctor on YouTube with the blue check mark, right? He gets to be on YouTube. He gets acknowledged for having the check mark by Susan Wojcicki over there at YouTube. I've long since been kicked off of YouTube thanks to Media Matters for America. Let me play this clip. You're better off not being on there. They traffic kids on there. Well, amen. And by the way, BitChute and Rumble, thank you for providing me with a platform. So listen to what this man has to say. A medical doctor. This is on the evening of the collapse of Damar Hamlin. And I'd like to know how he knows this with such certainty. Listen to this. What we just witnessed tonight is one of the most rare things we can see in sports medicine. As Damar Hamlin went down with what appeared to be car- You also, the same principle, the same stance, you can have an idea. You can. We know statistically that there, given these numbers, the chances of this being the vaccine is greater than the chances of this being this rare disease. Um, then I'm going to tell you that as a professional, I'm leaning in this direction, but this is my personal opinion. All right. Hey, I know I've taken too much of your time. One hundred ten no, billion for Ukraine. I, you're the, you're the best. One hundred ten billion dollars for Ukraine. Last no, time I checked, that was real money, and that's yes. a lot of money, Laura. And meanwhile, the southern border is wide open. So, yes, and Ukraine is very important to talk about because they are still taking our tax dollars and sending them over there. Because you have uh, somebody like President Zelensky, who is a true bad actor, literally was an actor actually in a show where he played a president was plucked from that show by the people who chose to put him in office, right? Because we have selections and not elections. And uh, and it's really, you know, something that a general uh, friend told me recently and that he pointed out, which was, which was important, I think, uh, to remember, is that Ukraine was the number one country in the world 
for the trafficking of young boys and young girls long before this war broke out and became cast as a left versus right thing or a Democrat versus Republican thing. When the Soviet Union fell, people flocked to Ukraine to go and have sex with young boys and have sex with young girls. This has long been one of the number one trafficking destinations in the world. This has been the place where oligarchs and criminals and organized crime um, concentrated. And Ukraine's, Ukraine's corruption problem preceded the Clinton administration and the Bush administration, the Obama administration and Biden and all the rest of it. There's a long history there of Nazism that preceded the, the current political dynamic. And so it's really extraordinary to me that they want to lie about and pretend that there are no Nazis in Ukraine. You know, it, they, they jumped up and down when Putin said that he was going to rid Ukraine of its Nazis. But a short time ago, the BBC, NBC, Al Jazeera, all of these uh, organizations that have a very leftist worldview, they were the ones reporting on the Nazis of Ukraine. You know, and they can't erase this history that goes back, um, you know, even to the Second World War. When Ukraine was, after Ukraine was invaded by the Nazis, it became the headquarters of the SS. Western Ukraine was the headquarters of the Nazi SS. Yes, there were hundreds of thousands of Jews in Ukraine who were brutally massacred and murdered, right? It was an absolute un forgivable atrocity. But why do we pretend that Ukraine's Nazis were not involved in the killings, that they weren't the ones putting people in the ground and bashing people's skulls in and murdering Jewish women and children? Ukraine's Nazis were involved in that. Why do we just now want to erase the fact that the head of the CIA, um, Dallas, you know, uh, I can't remember the first his name, it escapes my mind. I think it's Anthony Alan, Dallas. Alan Dallas. Alan Dallas. Thank you. That's right. Alan Dulles, why do we want to pretend that Alan Dulles didn't protect Ukraine's Nazis from the Nuremberg trials? And he didn't act alone. Alan Dulles did not act alone. And go to Operation Paperclip. Go to the finder's documents that have been released and declassified. And you will be able to read, read as I have done, the email communications and, and uh, reports, military reports and CIA reports that literally discuss giving amnesty and refuge and safe passage to the Nazis. Um, this is a real thing that we did in the wake of the Second World War. The, the, you know, the blood wasn't dry on the bodies, some of the bodies. They weren't even cold and rotting in the ground before we were giving the killers safe haven. Why did we do that? And why is there no curiosity from anyone in the media or the Jewish community to ask these questions? Why did we take the head of Nazi intelligence and bring them to the United States and put this person in the position to be one of the architects of the CIA? Why did we put them in insensitive intelligence positions, give them safe haven, give them safe passage? Why did the Red Cross provide them with passports? Red Cross isn't a government. Why did we cover up their crimes and give them immunity? And why did we do this in Ukraine? And when you talk about the Nazis of Ukraine and the Azov Battalion and all these people, they're not neo-Nazis. They're not some bastardized version of the Nazis that grew up later. They are the Nazis. They believe the same things that the Nazis of Ukraine in the Second World War believed. Right. And they have the, they have the same values, the same worldview, and they're heading in the same direction. So these are critical parts in our history that inform us. And we need to know from our leaders why we are funding Nazis in Ukraine when supposedly, you know, Nazis are the scourge of the earth. And we're putting people behind bars because they voted for Donald Trump 
who we say uh, is like Hitler and reminds us of the Nazis. So if you remind us of the Nazis, you go to prison in America. Sure. But if you are an actual Nazi in Ukraine, you get weapons and you get U.S. tax dollars and you get aid and support from the Western world. And and we don't want to have these conversations. And it's, it's critical to, for us to to look at the truth. Ukraine is not a country. So don't believe people who say it's a country. Does it have a national identity? Of course it does. But it's a territory. And this matters because the United States is still subject to international law. And we can't just send over Patriot missile batteries. So what do we do? Because we would that would be a declaration of war. And we have, an, we have a process for sanctioning war, a legal process. And we haven't gone through that. So this is why they're training the Ukrainians on how to use Patriot missile batteries, right? That they want to put on the ground there. Because there are actual real laws of war that we have, uh, in, in, you know, may have violated. But we don't have the journalistic curiosity or the courage anymore to investigate these things. And you're one person. I'm one person. We don't have teams of people behind us, right? We don't have huge um, news desks and, and bureaus all over the world and all the things that I used to have. And teams of people working with me at 60 Minutes where I can investigate all these things and they're hidden behind layers and layers and layers of deception but so for people out there but ukrainian flags on their twitter handle and all this nonsense right they um, it's it's not hard to find the truth on ukraine and to find ukrainians who will talk about their villages being shelled by their own forces and and i mean of all the wars that we have ever been involved in there has never been a more urgent need than there is right now to understand the truth about it so there's an incredible demonstration of why Laura Logan is our favorite journalist leading America's intelligentsia. I think that it's a profound importance at this point in our day and age to point out that we've arrived at this place in civilization and in the heights of the intellectual awakening of the Renaissance and just the buildup of everything that America ever was supposed to be. And we have the most hard-hitting and bone-crushing journalism coming from these powerful intellects who happen to be women. And of course, I look around to, there are some other journalists who are men here and there that will participate in this uh, telling of the truth, but not so many. So it's just, it's really amazing and it's beautiful and it's an epiphany to recognize that we here in America have uh, such amazing journalists who are going to carry the truth uh, ahead for us, even when everyone else is trying to destroy the future with silence and lies. Yeah, I can't.